you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of your career and life, to starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Own Your Career podcast. I'm your host, Andy Storch, and this is a show that is all about helping you stop drifting and take control of your future by owning your career and your life based on my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, which is available on Amazon as well as our website, ownyourcareerownyourlife.com. We also have free bonus resources there, including the five steps to owning your career and the top five most common career mistakes, as well as my affirmations, and other things that will help you get going in owning your career. So if you don't have a copy of that, go ahead and grab it now. Uh, And if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know that uh, I share a a myriad of things. Uh, Mostly this year, I've been doing a solo series sharing uh, content from the book, as well as additional advice on owning your career. We've sprinkled in interviews from our past guests, particularly from our Own Your Career Virtual Summit that we hosted in uh, late 2021. And this week, I'm sharing with you an interview that I did on another podcast called the Leadership Mind Podcast, hosted by my friend Massimo Bacchus. And uh, Moss is someone I connected with on LinkedIn a few years ago. I had him as a guest on my other podcast, The Talent Development Hot Seat, when he was a talent development professional at the time. And then he uh, did some soul searching and made a big shift in his own career to leave corporate and start start his own business as an executive coach and facilitator. And uh, I will say he's been very successful in that. Uh, And when I say successful, I mean that in two ways. Number one, uh, I think he's been very financially successful in that I think he has made more than uh, he was making previously in a corporate job, which is always a great thing when you are running a business. Uh, but number two, more importantly, I think he's happy, happier doing it uh, and loves what he's doing. As I've often said, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. I talk about that in this interview. Um, and what I want for people is truly to find happiness and fulfillment in their career. So for some people, that is entrepreneurship. For me, I love running my own business, doing my own thing, having nobody really telling me what to do or where to go. Um, For other people, they like to work within the confines of a company and have a a boss and a team and all that sort of thing. So uh, here's the quick lesson right up front is that owning your career is about doing what's right for you. It's about uh, creating a career and life that you love uh, based on the things that you enjoy, not on other people's, uh, you know, requirements or preferences. And you hear other people saying, oh, you got to be becoming an entrepreneur is like all, you know, is wonderful. And that's what you need to do. Maybe that's not for you. Right. And it's hard work. So you got to really love it uh, as I do. Um, For other people, you know, that's working in corporate or working for a small business or whatever it is that you do. Um, So Massimo recently interviewed me on his podcast called the Leadership Mind Podcast, which I think generally is more about leadership. Uh, Although in this conversation, we talk about my career and background leading into uh, what got me to writing the book, as well as some lessons on owning your career, uh, where the responsibility lies for between leaders, employees, and companies in terms of career development. Uh, we also talk about comparison and uh, really just how to build a great career and life. I was listening to this interview this morning at the gym and thinking, I really got to get this out here to more people uh, in front of my network, my audience. And so that's why I decided to publish this interview. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, if you like, 
what you hear from Moss. Uh, check out his podcast called The Leadership Mind. He's also uh, pretty active on LinkedIn. You can go connect with him there. And if you're not connected with me on LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter and any social media channels, uh, make sure you go connect with me, follow me, uh, reach out if you listen to this podcast. Love to hear from you. And if you haven't gotten my book, again, you can go grab that on Amazon. All right, without further ado, here's my interview with Massimo Bacchus on his podcast, The Leadership Mind. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Leadership Mind. I'm your host, Massimo Bacchus, and today I'm joined by none other than the Andy Storch. And Andy and I go way back. What's interesting in the context of podcasting, the first podcast that I ever guested on was Andy's Talent Development Hot Seat. Since then, he has gone on to have many other podcasts. He is the founder of the Talent Development Think Tank community, the author of Own Your Career, Own Your Life is a coach, a facilitator, and a keynote speaker, and is a friend and mentor and someone who has a wealth of knowledge and experience in the space of leadership. Andy, welcome. It's good to see you. Boss, thank you so much for that kind introduction and for having me on your show. I mean, we we have been building such a great relationship over the last few years, and I'm just looking back at my notes. That interview we did on my podcast, The Talent Development Hot Seat. We we did that back in January 2019. So it's been almost three years. And uh, I feel like we've been in pretty regular contact since then, talking, comparing notes. I've seen you evolve from working at a company to running your own business, starting a podcast and building a brand and all the amazing things that you've been doing. Uh, and I just love and appreciate our friendship. And I appreciate you having me on your show. Oh, man, the, the, uh, the appreciation is mutual. It's hard to believe that it's only been three years. It feels like some friendships feel a lot longer, you know, um, and ours is certainly one of those. For different reasons, right? <laughs> but ours <laughs> yeah, for good reasons. I don't blame COVID on this one. I think it's just the, the richness of our of our relationship. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to dig into a lot of the different things that you're working on, the exciting trends that you're seeing out there in the space of leadership. Uh, but I also know that you have been on quite a journey yourself. Uh, as you evolved into doing the amazing work that you're doing today with with so many people around the world, take us back to the very beginning. We're talking about, you know, Andy as a kid. Mm. Did you have dreams and aspirations to be running conferences and writing books and and being a keynote speaker? Uh, you know, where were you at in the early days, and and what are some of the themes that you think about from back then that maybe surprise you or are very alive for you today? Ah, uh, yes, a young Andy Storch. Well, I, I certainly did not have dreams of any of those things that you talked about. I was a very shy kid, uh, you know, just a small group of friends, afraid to really talk to too many people. Uh, my dream was to play professional baseball, but, you know, sports. I played a lot of sports. I was obsessed with, I watched a lot of sports. I was obsessed with sports. Um, I played fantasy sports before it was a real thing. Uh, in middle school, uh, we started is, playing fantasy, fantasy what baseball. That look like? what, what's, what's fantasy sports before the apps and everything? Well, yeah, in middle school, we played fantasy baseball. And that meant, uh, originally, I think it was called rotisserie baseball. That meant checking the newspaper every day and writing down the statistics for each of the players because this was before the internet. So that's how obsessed I was with all the, the teams and the players. Uh, and my dream was to play professional baseball. Um, and I actually talk about this in my book and, and my keynotes that, you know, I ran into a couple of problems with that. Number one was the odds were stacked against me. I looked it up and roughly one out of every 3,300 kids who played little, little league baseball go on to play in the big leagues. And I was, to be honest, kind of a, a 
average player, mediocre. I, I had my moments. Um, I had a few home runs and plenty of strikeouts too. Uh, but I also uh, never really had a plan, you know, in place for how to get there. You know, I was on teams and I went to practice, but I never went to my parents or coaches or anything and said, hey, this is my dream. Can you help me get there? Not that I, most kids would do that. Uh, but I often share that story as kind of an example of uh, the quote that a goal without a plan is really just a wish. And that if you you have this thing that you want to achieve, for many of us now, it might be like, I want to be CEO one day, or I want to be vice president, or I want to, um, you know, I, I don't know, have a, a vacation house somewhere. If you don't have a plan for that, it's probably not going to happen, right? I didn't have a plan. Um, the other issue that I had too was from a mindset perspective. Um, I, Moss, I know you're very familiar with the idea of uh, mindset, growth mindset, and fixed mindset, which comes from the book Mindset, the New Psychology of Success by Dr. Carol Dweck uh, from Stanford. Um, and when I read that book, it had a profound impact on me, it really changed my life. And I realized I grew up with a very fixed mindset. With a fixed mindset, we believe, right, we're either good at something or we're not, we're smart or we're not. And um, she says in the book that people with a fixed mindset certainly can still achieve success, but are a lot more stressed about it and typically shy away from challenging situations or are so afraid of failure, right? And that was me. And so when I was 15, I got to high school and I still loved baseball, but I decided that the high school team, we I think our high school had a pretty good team. Um, I decided they were too good. I wasn't going to make it. I didn't even try out. And that's always an embarrassing story for me to tell because now, you know me today, I operate with such a growth mindset. I've made such a transformation since reading that book that my mindset now and my mantra now is like, try anything and see what happens, right? Like there is no failure. There's only learning and growth. But at that time I was afraid of failure. And when I look back, I'm just, it's it's almost like it's I'm incredulous because I'm like, why wouldn't I just go give it a shot and let the coaches tell me, no, you're not good enough to be on the team. But I took myself out of the game before I had a, ever had a chance. And you and I probably both see people do that professionally all the time. Well, I'd like to be vice president one day, but they'll never... I'll never get that. So I'm not even going to go out for it. Well, why not give it a shot? Why wouldn't you go talk to your manager, you know, this and that, that sort of thing. Um, and so I guess I'm on a mission now to help more people overcome some of those things to really follow their dreams, to, to truly own their careers. I know I'm, I'm fast forwarding. Um, so baseball didn't work out, <laughs> right? Uh, after that, I wanted to be a civil engineer. I went to college. Uh, I decided I, I majored. I, I got into the the one school where I really wanted to go to, which was the University of Florida. Uh, my father went to University of Florida. That's where I wanted to go. I was a big Gator fan. Um, I majored in civil. I started set a major of civil engineering because I was really liked. I don't know roads and bridges and design and things like that. I was good at math and physics, um, but I ran into chemistry class. And even though, if you know anything about engineering, there's no need for chemistry in civil engineering at all. But you had to pass this one class, and I just couldn't do it. I aced physics. I was great at at calculus. Um, but I couldn't do chemistry. Um, well, I should say I struggled with, right? So this is another lesson um, that when I look back that I struggled with it. And instead of asking for help or studying more, I gave up basically. Now, the 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 caveat, the side note to that is that I had also joined a fraternity and I was out partying pretty much every day or every night, right? So I really wasn't that de as dedicated to my professional aspirations as I had been previously. Um, but still looking back, like I, 
I could have probably gotten some help to push past that one challenge and then gotten into some of the things that I was more interested in. So um, instead I got into business and, um, but I started also coming out of that, that shell of, you know, relevant to, to leadership, we do need to communicate, build relationships, develop influence. And as I said, I was a very shy kid all the way through high school. Only a couple of friends was afraid to talk to anybody, but because I joined it, one of the reasons, you know, because I joined a fraternity, I started to come out of that shell, make a lot more connections and friends. Um, and, uh, I ended up becoming president of the fraternity by my senior year, much to the shock of my parents who were like, who is this kid? Right. And that kind of was like started the, uh, you know, the dominoes towards what has been created today. Um, you know, moving past that, I, I started learning about entrepreneurship and other things. I tried lots of different things in my career in my twenties. Uh, a lot of things that didn't work out. I was, I was kind of drifting, trying to figure out what was going on and, and waiting for something to happen for me. And, uh, not much did, uh, I went back to school and got an MBA and around that time, 2005, I read the book, never eat alone by Keith Ferrazzi, which was another game changer for me, uh, which is, if you haven't read it, you know, all about networking. Uh, and I just kind of went on a mission to, I'm going to network and, and meet as many people as I can and build relationships. I'm not going to be that shy guy anymore. And that's what I did. And I started building a lot of connections. Um, by my final year of business school, I was president of the, of the MBA program of like 700 people. And again, it was just because I went and talked to the most people. I mean, that was kind of, I don't want to make it like it was a popularity contest, but I mean, most of the time in politics, like kind of what it is. Right. And you and I were talking before we started recording about the importance of curiosity. I really learned that lesson that if you just talk to people and ask them questions and let them talk about their own lives, uh, they really appreciate that. And then they like you, you don't have to tell them anything, right? You just ask them questions. Um, so I learned a lot of important lessons during that time. Um, I got into consulting and uh, that was a really cool experience. Got to travel all over the world and run different workshops and uh, work with a lot of executives from companies all over the world. Uh, I worked for a company called BTS uh, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, but in, in 2016, I, I got to this point where I felt like everything looked good on paper, but it felt like something was really missing for me. Um, even though, like I said, everything looked good, you know, six figure income and family and all that sort of stuff. I felt like something was missing. And what I realized that was when I first discovered the idea of personal development, personal growth. When I heard a podcast uh, interview with a guy named Hal Elrod, who wrote a book called the miracle morning. And I went and got that book and it could be any book for any, any person. I'm really hoping my book can be that catalyst for, for others. Um, but what I realized was really missing for me was growth. And I just hadn't been growing on a regular basis. Right. So let me ask you about that. Yeah. Um, from the outside, you could say there was a tremendous amount of growth. You've done, you did all of these things. You were the president of, of these different the fraternity yeah. and, and the MBA program, right. um, traveling around the world, running these programs. The outside, you'd say, well, this person has a lot of growth. So when you talk about what was missing as, as, in terms of growth, what was it? Yeah. Uh, personal growth. So, you know, we got to this point where I've got this great consulting job. I'm certainly learning a lot about companies and finance and strategy and leadership and businesses um, on a regular basis, but I wasn't, I didn't, I don't think I was really evolving as a person. You know what I mean? And what I realized is I, I just have this strong need for personal growth. And, you know, I learned later from starting to follow Tony Robbins and others, you know, Tony talks about, uh, most of fulfillment comes from growth and contribution. So if you don't feel like you're growing, 
and you don't feel like your work matters, that's like a recipe for disaster, right? And so I needed to, I needed to get to a place where I was growing more. So after I discovered that, I started reading a lot more books. I was listening to podcasts, um, you know, going to conferences, joining mastermind groups, hiring coaches. And that's where things really started to take off for me. Um, and I also felt this pull back towards entrepreneurship, something I had investigated early in my 20s. And so I started trying to build this career and a business to figure out how do I get to a place where I really want to, I run my own business. And I don't know why I was drawn towards that. Uh, there were no entrepreneurs in my family. My parents were teachers. I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was growing up. Um, but for some reason, that's what I was pulled towards. And so I started doing all this work, investing in myself to get to a place where I really love the work I do and my career. I have a fulfilling career, if you will. And as I've as I started to do that, and I and I started to evolve and build a business and get to a place where I was really loving what I was doing, um, I realized I had sort of a blueprint of something that I can share with other people. And the other thing I learned during that time is that uh, if you get into this sort of personal development arena, and especially if you are interested in entrepreneurship at all, you hear a lot of people say things like, "Well, if you're not happy with your job," you need to quit the nine to five and go start your own business, right? Which is something that you and I both did, Massimo. But I learned from talking to so many clients over the years that that is not for everybody. Like most people do not want to be an entrepreneur. They don't want to do the things that you and I are doing. Or, you know, before we started recording, you and I were both saying, well, I, you know, things are kind of dried up. I don't know where my client work's going to come from next year. Like there's a lot of ups and downs, right? And there's a lot of risk. Um, and people want more stability or, you know, the company cafeteria, whatever it is they want, the teamwork. So everybody's got different needs, but I think at the end of the day, what most people want is they want to feel happy and fulfilled in their career. And I felt like I had developed through all the work I had done and the thousands of dollars I and time I had invested uh, to create this business that I loved, that I had the blueprint, something that I could give to others to help them achieve that. And that's when I went and wrote the book and own your career, own your life, and have been sort of building a business around that and, and speaking in companies to try to spread that message. So the blueprint really came from your own lived experience and putting yourself out there and, and this emphasis on personal development. Yeah. What, what were the big aha moments or shifts for you when you think about your initial experiences with personal development that made the shift. You talked about mindset being one of them and, you know, moving to a, a growth mm. mindset, but yep. what were some of those other big shifts that propelled you in that space and, and um, continue to maintain feeding that curiosity that you had? Yeah. Um, I think lessons. So there's the mindset shift certainly to uh, a growth mindset, as you mentioned. Um, the other aspect of that I think is, uh, what many people deal with are limiting beliefs. I know you as a coach, Masa, you see this all the time with people, right? Who are like, oh, I'd love to do that thing, but I could never do that. Or no, you know, no one would ever, yeah, I'd love to write a blog or a book or whatever. Nobody would ever read that. Or, you know, I'd love to play baseball, but I would never make it, right? I took myself out of the game. People take themselves out of the game all the time. I started to listen to the experts who were, who were you know, kind of battling that and realizing that, I've got to address my fears and my limiting beliefs and move past those things and believe in myself. Some people say, you know, you've got to believe in yourself if you want other people to believe in you. Um, I don't know if that's always true because I think a lot of times we have more people believing in us than we believe in ourselves. 
but we have to believe in ourselves if we're going to go achieve something, right? If we're going to go out and do something big. And so I realized I really do need to go believe in myself and my own capabilities and my ability to provide value to clients and to other people, uh, that sort of thing. Along the way, developing, I think, an abundant mindset to believe that, you know, we're not really competing with anybody, right? There's there's this unlimited, what I've, what I've realized with an abundance mindset, there's an unlimited around, amount of money, uh, success, and love in the world. There's no limit on those things. So when we get caught up in comparison, like Moss, you and I talk all the time, we're both running businesses. It's in, it would be ridiculous for me to root against you because anytime you achieve success, it takes nothing away from me. And yet so many people operate with this like scarcity mindset. They don't want to share, you know, the things they're working on, that sort of thing. So developing that was important. Um, and then I'd say another big one is that, you know, if you want to really make big changes and you're getting into personal development, it certainly is important to be willing to invest both money and time. And I invested a lot. Um, and that was a big shift from being, I'd say, a more frugal person to say, no, I'm going to go invest thousands of dollars in coaching, in conferences, in mastermind groups, and all this sort of stuff. Um, but at the same time, I think the thing that sets successful people apart from others is in the implementation, right? So we live in a time where we have unprecedented access to information, right? There has never been, it's never been easier. Like if you look back, especially hundreds of years, the only people who had access to good information were rich, right? And now if you have an internet connection, you can get on YouTube and pretty much learn anything you want, right? There's no limit. Um, and the book, you know, you can get a book with somebody, all of everybody's, somebody's advice for $19 on Amazon. Like it's just, it's very, very open and we can, but what I noticed was there's a lot of people who are, they're called like personal development junkies who are like always reading the latest books and going to seminars and stuff like that. And yet you don't see them really achieving anything or going anywhere because it's not about the information you take in. You know, they used to say knowledge is power. I don't think that's true anymore. We all have the same, almost the same access to knowledge now. Uh, it's what are you doing with it? So I will get caught up in that sometimes too, because I love to read books and there's all these things I want to read and learn. I'm always listening to podcasts. But I have to challenge myself and sometimes like ask like, okay, what am I doing with this? How am I putting this into action? If you just move on to the next thing, you don't do anything with it, nothing's ever going to come from it. And then you got to build in time to do the things that are going to move you forward. Well, that makes all the sense in the world. And it's one of those things that's easier said than done for so yeah. many people. So what advice do you have for those that need to pivot from consuming to doing? Yeah. So there's a few things. Um, number one is making some time for reflection in your own way, whatever that is. Uh, I like to have a journal that I write in almost every day uh, and write some of my thoughts as well as like my goals and things that I want to achieve. Um, I, I struggle. One thing that some people do is like, they'll just pick one or two books in a year. They want to just really focus in on those. I like to, you know, go to the next one, but still like highlight things, take notes on things, write down some things that I want to implement and try I think the next really important thing is to get help when it doesn't come like naturally to you right away, right? So again, no shortage of information. We can go learn how to do anything we want, whether it's home repair, um, coding, software coding. Um, you know, you and I both run a business, like something people talk about in like internet marketing all the time is like, go build a funnel and email marketing and all this sort of stuff, right? Like we could go learn how to do that ourselves. 
but it may not come naturally to us. And it might be better to just go hire someone else, either to coach you through the process or actually do it for you. Right. And so I think it's really helpful. I mean, I preach into the choir for you. You are a coach, right. To find somebody who can maybe coach you and help you through a process. Like if you want to become a better leader and that, you know, it just doesn't come naturally to you, find a leadership coach who can help you with that. And then the other thing that's been really, really helpful and sort of related to that is find somebody or some buddies who can go on the journey with you and support you and hold you accountable and ask you questions, right? So I've been in uh, different mastermind groups pretty much consistently for the last six years. Some have been more helpful than others, but in generally, in general, they are really helpful because I have people who I'm talking to on a regular basis, who know are familiar with the journey I'm on and I know the journey that I'm on, can ask questions. I can come and say, hey, I'm trying to do this thing and I can't figure it out. What have you done in the past? And they can bring suggestions or make introductions um, or just hold you accountable, right? When you say, I'm going to build this email list or I'm going to go to the gym three times a week or I'm going to write a book, right? Uh, do you have someone that can check in with you and ask like, hey, did you do that thing, right? If you go to a seminar with somebody, let's say we both go to a Tony Robbins seminar, of which I've been to one, um, and I took a bunch of notes, but it's easy to just walk away and go to the next thing, right? Could you have an accountability partner that we check in, you know, once a week for the next three months after that and ask, what did you implement from that? What are you working on? You know, what changes have you made as a result? Because when you were there, you said, oh, I can't wait to go back and improve my marriage and have a better relationship with my kids and like build double my business and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, those things are great, but what are you doing to actually make those happen? And I think, you know, writing down a commitment, writing down goals, checking with those on a regular basis, and then having somebody who can check in with you, who can hold you accountable, um, and or somebody that you can just riff with and talk about ideas and help each other uh, makes it makes a huge difference. At least it does for me. That's a example of how to to lay out the plan in a very clear, accountable way, which is we need to take action. We need to take responsibility and you provided a number of different examples of what people can do. And I would add, try them all out and see what works for you. Right. Whether it's journaling or reflecting or accountability partner, whether it's in a mastermind group or one-on-one, -on -one, but trying these things out. You and I being in this space, Andy, you know, we're both uh, drinkers of the Kool-Aid and we're, we're Kool-Aid salespeople. Yeah. And yeah, from a cynical standpoint, which I myself hold from time to time, but I also know exists for others. It's a noisy space. There's a lot of people out there that are promising the big, the big dream from their program mm -hmm. or the mastermind group. Having been through so many of those yourself, mm -hmm. what advice would you have for people as far as what to watch out for to make sure that it's something that's going to be a quality experience or worth the investment? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I I don't think you could ever completely know until you get into it. Yeah, um, but you can. Um, you can look at the person running it, right. And ask, you know, do our values align? Um, what are they promising as part of this program they're running? What are the expectations for what you would get out of it? Uh, what access do you have? What other types of people will be in the program with you if it's a group program? Um, and what level of, you know, there's maybe never a guarantee, but, you know, if, hey, if you don't feel like things are going well, what what sort of measures are in place to change things up, to provide feedback, to, to make sure things keep getting better? Um, and, you know, do you have general like chemistry or camaraderie, right, with the person running that type of thing? 
and is what they do or talk about uh, or their primary goal aligned with what your top goal is, right? So it, there, it may be about being a better husband or father or mother or parent or health or fitness, or it might be about business and your career, or it might be about entrepreneurship. And maybe all those things sound cool, but like, what's some, what's the thing that you really want to improve? Um, and what are they going to be focused on? What's the conversation going to be focused on? You know, are those things aligned? Um, the other thing is like, if someone's running a program, do they, I think we, I believe we, we learn from everybody and then we do things our own way. But if you're going to like hire someone as a coach or especially running like a mastermind group or something, you could also ask, you know, do they have a life that I admire that I would want, right? Like, or, or a business, right? And it, again, doesn't have to be exact because we're all going to do things our own way. Um, but it's, those are all important factors. Uh, and then realize like, there's so many options and things out there. And sometimes you're going to try stuff. Like I, I go through all of these things that we just talked about. I've joined multiple mastermind groups and some have been really effective. And a couple have been like, mm, that was mediocre. It didn't really give me the results that I thought it would. I thought it would, and it, it didn't. So like, there's no, you know, there's no way to know for sure. Well, what I hear you saying is that even in the times where it didn't meet your expectations, um, you're not beating yourself up for the fact that you made that investment. You know, you're appreciating. No, you try not to, right? Because you, you, first of all, you got to take ownership of every situation and say, hey, I made the decision to go into this. I did, you know, my research, the work that was involved. I know some things are going to work out really well and, and some things are not. Um, There's not much of a point of beating yourself up. And I would say it's, it's sort of like a more expensive version of every book you open. When you read a book, it's going to, it, first of all, you invested the $18 or whatever, unless you got it from the library, but you're also spending time on it. And there's only certain books, so many books we can read. Um, and you've probably experienced this, Moss. You could read multiple books on the same subject and some authors just speak to you and some don't. Some like sometimes everybody else is talking about a book and you read it and you're like, eh, I don't really yeah. care. And then you read another book and you're like, oh my God, that's exactly what I needed to hear right now. I'm going to go implement this, right? And the timing is really important too. Is it the right timing? Um, and so make sure like whether it's the book or the mastermind or the coaching or whatever, that the goals that you're you're working on or trying to achieve and they're going to help you with are the goals that you truly want to work on, right? So that's when it comes to owning your career and owning your life, I believe it's very personal to you. I don't know about you, like I've certainly got caught up many times in, well, I see these other people doing these things, so I want to do that too, right? Whether it's building an internet business or uh, going for promotions and trying to become a vice president or whatever it is, and then you realize you get into it and you're like, this is not really the the type of work I want to be doing. I should be focusing on this other thing over here, right? So let me follow that. So like, I might see people I admire all the time who are running groups and things. And I'm like, oh, it'd be really cool to be in that. But what they are teaching is just not something I need right now. I need to focus on this other thing. And so just get really clear on your own goals and what's going to serve you. Sounds like clarity of goals, values, purpose, where yeah. you want to be in the future. What are your, your highest priorities? that all of that needs to be set in place as much as possible before finding what's the right fit or, or being able to be discerning around what's the right fit. You know, otherwise- I think so, right? But 
you may not even know all those things, right? Sometimes we need help with that. You and I were just talking before we started recording. We both do coaching. I've got a client who I don't think she knows all those things yet. So that's where we're starting, right? But that's being, being clear about that too. Just being honest, like, well, I don't know if I know these things. Maybe I need help with that. I just need a coach who can help me figure this stuff out and just be yeah. honest. Knowing what you don't know. Yeah. Um, a couple of times in this conversation, you've brought up comparison, you know, and how like mm. um, vile, you know, social comparison and keeping score can be. Yeah. Where have you found yourself getting caught up in that? And what, what works for you to keep it at bay and have a healthy relationship with, with it? Every day, every day, <laughs> every day, every day. Um, I have a chapter in my book about it. I talk to people about it. I've studied it. And I still get caught up in it every day. It's just it, people who say they don't, I don't know if I believe them. It's it's a natural psychological, you know, thing that happens and, you know, goes back thousands of years to our own evolution as humans, right? That you're always going to be looking around to compare yourself to others and see if you, you measure up and do you fit in and all that sort of stuff. The problem is now, and, and it's been going on right for a long time, even before the internet and everything else, you could look at your neighbors and go, well, it, they have a nicer car than me. That whole idea of keeping up with the Joneses, right? Um, you know, it seems like their marriage is better than mine or whatever it is, right? Their kids are better behaved. Um, but it's certainly been exacerbated by social media over the last 15 years, right? Where you see people's highlight reel, you see all the stuff they're posting about and they're doing. So, oh, they're on another great vacation. Somebody got a promotion. Uh, they had another baby. Everything seems like really great. And we have to remember that that is the highlight reel, right? And and the problem is that we end up comparing our whole lives to someone else's highlight reel, and we don't know what else is going on behind the scenes. So my anecdote, what I do to combat this and deal with it is, uh, number one, remember that uh, all I'm seeing is the highlight reel. I don't know what else is going on behind the scenes, right? As I uh, remind people, you see them post, your friends post a great picture from their wonderful vacation at the beach, and everybody's smiling and looks happy. Five minutes before that, they were fighting with each other. They were like arguing about like, why did you even bring me on this vacation? But they don't post any of that, right? They they only post the highlight reel. So that's number one. Um, number two is you probably don't know the whole journey of like what they've been on to get to the place where they've been, right? You see somebody that's achieved something big and we always assume like they were born that way, but man, they have gone through some serious challenges to get there. And like, would you even want to go through what they've been through, right? And then um, the third thing is like, People are good and like we're, if you look at the, like, I'm sure you're familiar with the wheel of life and there's all these different areas you can look at for your life and, and, and measure like how well you're doing in health and fitness, spirituality, relationships, career, business, finance, that sort of stuff. Um, people often are doing really well in a couple areas and then like struggling in others. And so there's always trade-offs to these things. Um, and then I remember that mindset of abundance that we talked about earlier, that uh, other people's success doesn't take anything away from me, right? And Moss, when you uh, get more clients, make more money, when you are happier, when your marriage is better, it does not take anything away from me, right? Um, if anything, it could inspire me to make those things better for myself as well, which leads me to the last point, which is that when you see other people achieving things that you want, and that's the key, sometimes we get envious of people achieving things that we don't even want, which is kind of ridiculous, right? We achieve, We see people achieving things that we want, Instead of being envious or jealous, choose to be inspired and ask yourself, what can I learn from them? So if I see Moss getting more clients and making really good money, like seems like his business is more successful than mine, instead of being like, well, I don't want to talk to that guy anymore, I can call you up and say, 
hey, it seems like you've been pretty successful lately. Um, would you mind sharing some of your secrets? Like, what did you do to get to where you are? Maybe I can learn from you. And you and I are always doing that, right? Like, what are you doing to do this, to do that? Uh, and opening up the the kimono, whatever they say, right, yeah. to each other to to share, to try to help each other out because, you know, rising tide raises all boats, all those sort of things. Like, our success doesn't take away from the others. The abundance mindset is so powerful in allowing you to be humble and curious and celebrate someone's success and learn from them and, and realize that um, it doesn't have any indication on what's possible for you. Yep. You were just talking about inspiration. What or who inspires you most right now? Oh, I, I feel like I get inspired by a lot of people and a lot of things. Um, as you know, I am a super fan of Gary Vaynerchuk or Gary V. I follow all his stuff. He's certainly uh, always a motivator and inspiration for me. Um, there are others. I, I get inspired by you and the work that you're doing and, and what you've been building. Um, other friends I see who are doing great things. Uh, again, instead of comparing, choosing to be inspired and ask, okay, what can I learn from them? You know, how how can I get better? How can I maybe achieve the things that they're achieving? Um, I get inspired by my kids too. I have two kids and just like watching them learn and and do different things is like, it's pretty cool and inspiring. It certainly gives me more purpose. Um, and then I, I don't know, sometimes I just, I, I mean, I surround myself. I feel like, uh, you know, they say like Tony Robbins says where focus goes, energy flows. And, you know, you're the average of the peers that you surround yourself with. I think we're strongly influenced by the people we surround ourselves with and the content that we expose ourselves to as well. Uh, and so like, I do spend a lot of time on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, et cetera. And I find that I'm, I gravitate towards inspirational content and I read a lot of like stoicism, uh, stoic philosophy. Uh, I've studied that stuff. I'm a big fan of, um, Ryan holiday and the work that he does and all that stuff inspires me. And then I try to remember again, like going back to the goals, I'm going to take all these lessons. And I'm going to implement them in a way that works for me. I'm going to do things my way. I don't have to be the same as anybody else, right? So I can look at uh, someone like Ryan Holiday is a great example. I've been like kind of delving down, reading some of his books lately, you know, watching his stuff on social media. And I'm like, man, this guy has achieved so much success. His books are huge, right? Like, how did he do that? And it's very easy to go down the spiral. Like, we're the same age. He might even be younger than me. I don't know, right? And look at all the success he's achieved. But it's not about that. We're all on our own journey, right? Um, instead, it's more important to ask, well, like, that's cool. What can I learn from him so that I can achieve more of my own success and so I can help and inspire more people as well? Because that's part of my mission and my purpose and what I want to do uh, with my books, with my content, everything is, you know, share the lessons I've been learning with others so that I can help them because they might read Ryan Holiday and be like, I don't really get this at all and be more inspired by the stuff that I put out there. Like we said, it's, it all resonates differently on a personal level. Yeah, there's room for all of us. And, and um, Ryan Holiday is a great example. I think he's made stoicism, you know, accessible to everyone and the wisdom that comes from that. Yeah. And it's done an amazing job with it. So let's pivot a little bit. This podcast is about leadership. It's for leaders. Um, it seems as though we are always in a time, at least it seems like this for the last, you know, uh, two decades of these are unprecedented times is a very common, you know, statement. And then we move into the next year and these are unprecedented times for different reasons, but, but nonetheless, 
what are you seeing as trends out there in the space of leadership that organizations are doing really well to combat the onslaught of um, uncertainty and volatility that's happening, you know, in organizations, in the marketplace, the economy and society? It really is a very interesting time and one that I think that we will study for years to come and like how different companies handled this time differently and what ended up working and what didn't. And I think just like with the books we read, uh, some companies' culture and leadership style and the way they work is going to resonate differently with different people. Um, you know, for example, we're sort of in this quote unquote post COVID time where uh, so many companies are grappling with the decision of, do we make our people come back to the office or not, right? Like, do people need to be in the office anymore? Uh, we all had to send our people back to that, you know, for, this is for, you know, sort of uh, what they call like white collar or uh, knowledge worker. Yeah, knowledge worker type jobs, right? Where everybody was sent home, even in companies that previously said, we'll never let anybody work from home, like you must be in the office, right? And that all changed overnight in, in March, 2020. And people went home and to the surprise of many uh, of the command and control leaders out there, people were even more uh, productive than they were before, right? They got stuff done. Business continued. Some businesses really excelled and grew. Many people burned out because they were working more than ever before, right? But now we've gotten to a place where like, you know, by, by most accounts, it's safe for people to return to the office if they want to, or the company wants them to. And companies are trying to decide, do we make them do that or not? And what I'm seeing out there just from uh, qualitative, like having lots and lots of conversations is that we probably have about 20% of companies that are saying you absolutely must be back in the office all the time. About 20% of companies that are saying, uh, you know, screw it. We are completely remote. We, we're getting rid of our offices. There's nowhere for you to go. And then about 60% in the middle that are like hybrid two days a week or one day a week or three days a week or come in whenever you want, but the office is here. And I think a lot of them are still trying to figure that out. And I think that, um, you know, time will tell what works best, but it's also going to like different, uh, different setups will resonate better with some people, right? If you're 25 and you're single, like I'd rather go into the office, right. And like, you know, meet up with friends there and have the kind of the culture and the camaraderie that I had when I was in my twenties going into an office versus when you're 45 and you have a family and your kids got like softball practice right after work and all this sort of, you don't want that community more. You'd rather work from home. Right. And, but everybody has their own personal situation. So I think that's going to be really interesting. Um, and then you've got the leadership styles. And I think by most accounts, the days of the quote unquote command and control type leadership are, are mostly over, right? Leadership has completely evolved. I think what people want in leaders has completely evolved. Uh, I think we're even seeing that this week, as you and I record this, um, you know, we're in the kind of the midst of all the news of Elon Musk taking over Twitter and making these pronouncements that we're cutting staff and we're making people go back to the office. And there's sort of like this backlash in like the media and on LinkedIn by people like, you can't just go tell people what to do, even though it, like it's his company, right? Like he can if he wants to, but we'll see how it works out, right? And I don't know what will happen with Twitter, but it's sort of like this interesting case study that's under the microscope right now that we all get to watch, especially because Elon is actually on Twitter tweeting about it like 300 times a day. And I'm endlessly fascinated by that. Um, Also, as a Twitter shareholder, I kind of want to just get back to work. But at the same time, it's really fun. 
sorry, not a Twitter show. I was a Twitter shareholder, a Tesla shareholder. Um, it's fun to watch. But anyway, getting back to leadership, I think we're definitely seeing it evolve where evolve to a place where people really want um, their leaders to be more human, you know, this idea of humanistic leadership, uh, more authenticity, more empathy, um, more maybe even vulnerability at times, especially during like tough times like COVID, um, more connection and understanding. And what I love to see, like at the, at the end of the day, I think a leader's job is to empower and enable their people to succeed, right? And I think the number one thing people hate from leaders is micromanagement. So when we see leaders moving towards a situation where they can, um, you know, delegate effectively to, to train, to educate, to develop, and to give people the resources they need and then trust them, uh, as well as hold them accountable to get things done, I think that's where we're seeing people thrive. I think with COVID, it really, and so many companies being remote now, it also really, really um, emphasized the importance of proactive communication as well, right? Like there's kind of this idea, I think a lot of times people have that if I don't hear from them, they're probably fine. You know, from talking, coaching, working with a lot of people, that's not the case. Uh, and so leaders need to be more proactive in reaching out. I think we're, we're seeing that a lot more as well. And I, I like to think a lot more, uh, leadership with empathy and kindness and those things that I'm drawn towards. Yeah. What's your take on quiet quitting? Well, quiet quitting is an interesting movement, by the way, like on a side of that, I'm so fascinated by the fact that one guy in New York can make a TikTok, who does not have a big following can make a TikTok and invent a new term like quiet quitting. And all of a sudden you've got like major newspapers and magazines writing articles about it. You've yeah. got like the biggest thought leaders in the space, you know, writing about it. We're talking about it. I think it's fascinating. My, my reaction or what I heard from what is quiet quitting sounded like he was essentially saying, I'm not going to like hustle and go above and beyond when I don't feel like I'm being rewarded appropriately, or I don't care that much about this job. And so a lot of people are like, well, people have been doing that for a long time. Like I've done that. I've been in those jobs where I'm like, I don't care about this job. I'm just going to do the minimum until I find the next thing. Right. Um, I think it's interesting because now we're in more of like a remote, people can't see what you're doing, but they can kind of measure your output. And it's, it's sort of like a commentary on where did our society get to from a working standpoint that it's no longer the expectation that you just do your job. It's that people feel like they need to go above and beyond all the time. So I think it's a good reflection point for a lot of people to ask themselves, uh, why do I do what I do? Right. Um, why am I going after the goals that I am going after? Why do I work harder as hard as I do, or as harder than I need to? What's my purpose in all of this? You know, why do I go to work every day? And are there adjustments that I need to make? You know, I talk about owning your career. What's your own personal vision for your career? What are your own personal goals? What do you want to achieve? And is the work you're doing serving you? Or do you need to make some adjustments? And can you have a conversation with your manager? Because I think that's one of the biggest things missing in the corporate world, right? Is that managers and their employees are not having career conversations. So people are getting frustrated. They're feeling complacent. I don't know where my career is going. I'm not going to go above and beyond I'm going to quietly quit. Well, have you had a conversation with your manager about your career and where things are going? The manager's really busy. They haven't scheduled it. The employee hasn't brought it up. And now they're on LinkedIn looking around for another job, right? When they could just have a conversation with their manager who, if that manager is supportive, 
could guide them in a different direction, help them find another position in their company, help tweak their job, whatever, to fit their strengths, um, that sort of thing, which is another great thing that managers could be doing, the best managers are doing, which is identifying people's strengths and, and you know, adjusting their jobs to fit that more. So I don't know. That's my, what, what's your reaction Maybe to from, all that? From your take, who do you think has the responsibility for those conversations? Is it the manager? Is it employees? It, it's a dual, it's a dual responsibility. I mean, at the end of the day, I think, I think there's, so I believe there are three pillars to successful career development and growth. The first is the organization providing the tools and the pathways for people to get to where they want to go and, and achieve things that, you know, like, is there a roadmap for a career? Is, is there, are there learning and development resources available? Is there money for people to go take classes if they want to, that sort of thing? Is there guidance for managers on what they should be talking about? Uh, number two is you need leaders to uh, to coach, right? To to mentor, to have those conversations, right? And to enable and empower their people to succeed. But number three is you need people to take ownership of their careers, to take responsibility for their own career, figure out where they want to go and go lead that conversation if they need to, to go ask your manager, hey, Moss, like we haven't talked about my career in six months. Can we, or more, a year? Uh, can we sit down and have a conversation? I know you're really busy. Uh, how's next Wednesday or Thursday? And be proactive and make it happen. I don't, I think all three have sort of equal responsibility on this. And um, certainly you want to work for an organization and a leader that care about you and are providing the opportunities for you. But ultimately, at the end of the day, nobody cares more about your career than you do. So you've got to be the one to own it. You've got to be the one to, to be proactive in doing those things. Yeah, you can't pass the buck or responsibility on that. You, you know, the, this whole idea of quiet kid, quitting, I think is, it, it's hilarious to me. It, like it's been around for right forever, as long as organizations have existed. And in, in most organizations, it's probably fair to say in all organizations, there is a bell curve. And on that bell curve, there are people that underperform and those people that are going to perform to expectations and those that go above and beyond. Yep. And accepting that, negates even the idea that people are quite quitting like some people um their work is not their life it is a means to their life outside of work right and so long as they're meeting expectations that's great yep yeah you don't need unless it's a you know some professional services firms have a sort of up quote up or out type culture you want people to either be moving up or you move them out to make room for other people which is totally fine uh, but in many other organizations, I, I worked for a large insurance company and I, I saw lots of people who were just kind of, they were working their 38 hours a week, getting their job done, the minimum, and they're getting out of there. They cared about other things. They weren't trying to move up. They didn't need the promotion. And that's not for everybody, right? And I usually give the example, you think about your own goals for your career, like think about what's what you truly want in this time. And then like recognize the trade-offs involved. Like if you want to be CEO one day, you probably are going to have to work 70 plus hours a week and miss some, you know, family dinners and like, you know, take a lot of trips and all that stuff, which is fine. If that's the goal, be honest. And if family is the most important thing to you and you don't care that much about the promotion, you know, for some people, they just want to know that their work matters. It's valued, it's appreciated, and they're home for dinner with their family every night. And that's fantastic too. And if you can find a like a unicorn situation where, you know, both you can be CEO and like, you know, work short hours and be with your family, whatever, if that's fantastic too. Um, I, I think we all get to sort of design the career and life that we want, or, or at least take ownership of it. 
Um, but I want people to be honest about what they're truly going for and then like recognize the trade-offs involved in that. Being honest with yourself can be the hardest thing sometimes. You know, you think about all the noise that's out there, social media, talking to your friends, the the aspirations that we see around us to acknowledge that what I might want is not what I thought I wanted before or what I should want, but it's something different and it comes with trade-offs. But I think that's a really important point to end on, Andy. I got one last thing I want to talk to you about. Next year, Talent Development Think Tank Conference Tell me about it. What is it? Where is it? And what can people expect? Yeah. So uh, let's take this back to the very beginning. We're talking about growth mindset, right? Who am I to host my own conference, right? But I'm doing it, right? I'm, I'm trying it. Uh, so this idea initially came back in 2019. Uh, I was running a business with a friend of mine uh, named Bennett Phillips. And uh, we did a lot of leadership training and facilitation Um, We worked with a lot of different facilitators who ran experiential learning programs. So if you came to a workshop that we ran, uh, you were going to be active, right? It was not passive learning, right? It was very active. And at the same time, I was running a business. So I would go to conferences, HR and talent development type conferences. Those were my typical clients uh, to go learn what was going on in the industry and meet clients. And they were all so boring, like death by PowerPoint, um, lectures from people on the stage. It was just presentation after presentation, lots of slides from people who quite frankly, Masi, you and I are speakers. I hope it don't sound arrogant in saying this, but like quite frankly, they shouldn't have been on stage, right? They were just not good speakers. I'm sure they were very knowledgeable about the things they had the experience and the knowledge, but it's one thing to have the experience and the knowledge. It's another thing to be able to convey that knowledge to somebody else in a dynamic and interesting way. And I just wasn't seeing that very much. And so I was having a conversation with my friend Bennett uh, one day. And I just said, these conferences are so boring. I feel like they could be so much better here. We are doing experiential learning. And I think he suggested, well, why don't we just do our own? And so that's where the idea was born. It was early in 2019. We said, fine, let's just do our own conference. Uh, we booked some really great speakers. Uh, we were very lucky to get some pretty big name speakers, uh, for that first one, Josh Burson, Liz Weissman wrote the book multipliers, one of the best leadership books out there. Um, and, uh, we scheduled the conference for November, 2019. You had, were planning on coming to that. Uh, and then uh, we ran into some challenges with that. There were wildfires in the area that, that forced us, uh, the hotel got evacuated the week before the conference. And we, we got to email everybody who bought tickets, 120 people or whatever, and say, Hey, we're postponing our conference, but we ended up having the conference in January, 2020. Uh, it was a huge hit. People loved it. Um, everybody there told us it was the best conference they've ever been to, which is crazy, right? Two guys who've never run a conference before. We just decided we're going to take the things that don't work and we're going to make them better. And people loved it. We also had good food, which sort of makes the, we spent way too much money on food. That really makes the, the a conference as well. Right. Good deal, yeah. Um, so we're like, this is great. Let's do this again. We started selling tickets for the next one for 2021. And then of course, you know what happened March 2020, COVID hit, completely shut the world down, no more events, shut my whole business down. I was flying around the world running leadership workshops, and that all went away. Um, at the time, I was writing my book, by the way. I was in the middle of writing the book, and I was writing about networking, and you need to go to conferences. And I'm like, man, maybe you just need to get on LinkedIn because you're not going to conferences anymore. Um, that was when I started uh, the membership community that I run, the talent development community. I remember having conversations with you on the phone during that time. Uh, and I launched the community to keep people together and learning and and networking because I knew we weren't going to conferences anymore. That was May, 2020. 
And um, that has kind of steadily grown. You've been a member of that community. I, I'm really grateful for your guidance and support and just, you know, jumping in when we started that. Um, but obviously, like, there's no replacement for getting people to, together in person. And so now we are bringing the conference back. Uh, it's called the Talent Development Think Tank. It's happening in uh, February, on February 22nd and 23rd, 2023 in Sonoma, California. And it is, you know, it's geared, it, it's all about talent development. So it, it's geared mostly towards uh, talent development, learning development professionals, uh, you know, the back, that, that sort of profession that you used to be in. Um, but I think really anybody who works in leadership, who is interested in developing their people will get value from this. In fact, our our biggest keynote speaker uh, is a woman named Claude Silver, who is the uh, chief heart officer for VaynerMedia, the digital marketing company run by Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, she's sort of like the number two, Gary V's number two, and she's phenomenal. She's an amazing, inspirational business person who talks a lot about leadership um, and really like compassionate leadership through empathy and all things like that. I think it's going to be wonderful. Uh, so anybody interested in developing their people is going to get value from being there. And the key is we have the same mission that we are going to uh, have most of our sessions be completely interactive, engaging. Uh, there's no death by PowerPoint. There are no lectures. In fact, all of our breakout sessions, I just got agreement from all of our breakout session leaders uh, that we will have no slides, no projectors. So imagine going to a conference where there are no slides, right? There will be some, I think a couple of the keynote speakers might use slides, um, but for the breakout sessions, no slides, because I want people to talk to each other because the revelation I had, I'll finish with this, is that when I was at those boring conferences before, and I was looking at the speakers on stage and not to take anything away from those speakers because they're on stage because for a reason, they're probably experts. We can certainly learn from them, but I'm looking around the room and I'm like, there's so much experience and wisdom in this room that we could be learning from. And so what if we create an event where people can learn from each other, not just the experts on stage? And so that's what we're doing. Love it. Anybody who's interested, check it out. Andy, what's the website that people can go to to register, buy tickets, and learn more? It is tdtt.us slash conference. So tdtt as in talent development think tank.us slash conference. Uh, you can also hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, or reach out uh, on any avenue, andystorch.com. And I'm happy to answer any questions and would love to see more people there. Ladies and gentlemen, Andy Storch. Andy, thank you so much. You're an inspiration to me. You always have been. And uh, I'm so grateful for our friendship. Thanks for today. Thank you, Moss. Appreciate it. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation I had with my friend Massimo Bacchus on the Leadership Mind podcast. Uh, again, if you are into leadership at all, check out his show, The Leadership Mind, uh, and connect or follow him on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, I think he's on Instagram as well. Probably not that active on there as I am, but uh, make sure you connect with me. Uh, Moss it will also be coming to the Talent Development Think Tank conference that I'm hosting on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Uh, if you work in any facet of talent development or you're interested in developing people, uh, make sure you go check that out. You can get information and tickets on our website, which is tdtt.us slash conference. All right. Thank you again for listening. As always, you can get more info and free resources on our website, ownyourcareerownyourlife.com, and I will talk to you next time.